Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey. No Jason today. Life gets in the way. We'll try and press on by myself. I hope Jason and some other guests may be on with us next week. There was, however, some USL news this week, as well as I'll review results quickly. Uh, It won't be the same without Jason, but hope that you'll find it useful anyway. Firstly, the Chattanooga Red Wolves broke ground on their new stadium and the development area around it. It'll be a 5,500-seat soccer-specific stadium. And also, on in signing news, the Red Wolves signed El Paso Locomotives' Daniel Navarro on a loan for the rest of the season. Remember, he had played for the team in June, playing in two matches. Obviously, the Red Wolves liked what they saw and thought that they could get some use out of him, so they took Navarro for the rest of the season. Also, uh, North Texas Soccer Club signed Edward Pollo Cortez from FC Dallas. So he was uh, a bench player for FC Dallas. And so he'll come down, probably see some minutes, I would guess, for North Texas over the next couple of, uh, over the next couple of months. It would seem that, that he's also a little bit more of a veteran presence. You can check out his uh, signing interview on the North Texas Twitter feed. Also, we have the some monthly awards for June. The Chattanooga Red Wolves coach Tim Hankinson was named the June coach of the month. The Chattanooga Red Wolves have not lost since May 18th. So when you consider that kind of run, they're also in third place, kind of trying to nip at the heels of second place, South Georgia Tormenta. Coach Hankinson clearly uh, done a great job trying to get his system in place and having some great results and getting the most out of his team. Also, Lansing goalkeeper Stefan Cleveland, he was named the League One Player of the Month for June. Obviously, the goalkeeper here for Lansing had a pretty pretty good run there. The team was 3-2-1 and one over the course of the month. Didn't move a whole lot in the standings, but he made some pretty acrobatic and, and stellar saves and kept Lansing in most of the matches that they played over the course of the uh, month, even though uh, even though they lost a few there that were kind of tough. Results. Let's go with uh, on Saturday, we had a Chattanooga Red Wolves were a one versus Lansing Ignite one. A couple of red cards in this game. First one was pretty early on in the 12th minute where uh, where CC got a red card for a pretty bad two-footed tackle. I, I mean, tackling on turf is going to be dangerous anyway, but tackling with two feet the way that he came in, not uh, totally surprised that he uh, that he got the red card for that. That opened up the game a bit, and you had uh, Elman the four ended up scoring about 15 minutes later on the 25th minute. He ended up in the middle with a ball in the box that came from uh, that came from Xavier Gomez. He, it was just a little dribbler. He was able to toe poke it while he was falling, and it dribbled into the net. Afterward, uh, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about his celebrations. I, I really like El Mundo's celebrations. He does some classics. He does the bow and arrow, or what I like to call the Robin Hood celebration uh, after that goal. A bit later in the game, in the 45th minute, Kevin Kroifik gets a red card for violent conduct. Uh, this ha- happened off camera, but apparently he actually took a swing at one of the uh, one of the Red Wolves players, uh, and he was given the, uh, given that card uh, to put both teams with 10 men. Uh, a little bit later in the second half, in the 55th minute, uh, there was a great service from a corner kick from Pineda. Tony Walls made a really nice near post run and 
perfectly timed his jump. He was able to redirect the ball with his head at the far post and, uh, to get the equalizer. Um, so during this match, Lansing had a bulk of the possession. Chattanooga seemed to be pretty happy. A lot of this was in the first half, uh, but Lansing had about 59% possession. And interestingly, 549 passes, uh, not quite a record in the league, but up there with 90% passing completion. Again, a lot of those in the first half when they were up a man and they were able to uh, move the ball around quite a lot. Both teams had 12 crosses, not too many completed. In fact, Chattanooga only completed two and Lansing only completed three. Both teams just had about eight shots on goal and uh, about half of those were on target for each team. Was not the prettiest of games, quite frankly, um, but nonetheless, uh, came out of Lansing was pretty happy probably to leave Chattanooga with a point. Moving on to one of the other games from Saturday, you had uh, South Georgia Tormenta 1 versus forward Madison 2. South Georgia Tormenta losing at home, something that does not happen. So this was the first of two matches that forward Madison had during the week. Uh, Tormenta, quite frankly, just could not finish their chances, particularly early on. And Madison did a good job packing a lot of numbers into the box and only allowed a few low quality chances uh, from South Georgia. The scoring started in this one in the 16th minute. There was an unusual defensive breakdown in Tormenta. Tormenta's defense, particularly at home, had been very, very strong. They did not let up a lot of goals at home. But in this one, the defense broke down a bit. Nunez got the ball out uh, wide to Don Smart, who was left wide open on the right-hand side of the penalty area. And when Don Smart gets the ball there, there's no way he's going to miss that finish. And he finishes right across net into the lower left-hand uh, side netting. In the 73rd minute, Oliver White gets what ultimately becomes the game winner. Uh, he got a great cross from Paolo Jr., who was out on the right-hand side. White makes uh, White makes a nice run into the box from about the penalty area and uh, is able to head it home. Uh, the cross really, uh, you know, could have potentially been, uh, been maybe tipped out, but it was uh, picture perfect right into the path of an on-running Oliver White. Oliver White, remember, being one of the new signings for forward Madison, and he uh, he's really made an impact in the, the first few games here that he's played for forward and someone who uh, who I think forward's going to need to really develop if they're going to make a run for the playoffs. As we'll talk about later, there's a lot of teams that are really vying for that fourth and uh, critical playoff spot and forward Madison is right there in the mix. The, the sole Tormenta goal came in the 91st minute. Connor Antley was taken down in the box. It was a, for me, it was a definite foul and it was also definitely inside the box. I think there cannot be much question about that. And uh, and so afterwards you had uh, Marco Micheletto steps up and uh, and buries it. It was a very nice penalty, but, uh, but nothing more than a consolation goal in that particular game. South Georgia Tormenta had a lot of the ball in this game. They had 60% uh, possession and made 485 passes. Madison did a, a very good job defensively, even though uh, South Georgia had the ball in their half a lot. But the defensive efforts were pretty clear. The fact that they made 19 tackles and had 16 clearances compared to only about half of those numbers for uh, South Georgia Tormenta. On Sunday, during the Gold Cup final, you had North Texas Soccer Club zero versus Greenville Triumph zero. Greenville in this one did a pretty great job limiting good chances from North Texas. Again, it was another kind of defensive effort. North Texas had 66% possession in this one. 
North Texas had uh, three really good chances, but Dallas J put them over the bar or uh, or w- was able to get a hand on them to get them off target. You know, particularly in the first half and uh, in the second half, they really I was I was surprised that that, um, that North Texas didn't put this away because Ronaldo Damas had the ball uh, inside the 18, one on one with Dallas J. But Dallas J made himself big and he was able to knock the ball out for a corner and uh, denied Ronaldo the game winner late in the game. Greenville, uh, you know, they still have an issue being really dangerous around the net. And I think that that's something that, you know, we've talked about many times on uh, on this show. And, and yeah, that soccer show, uh, our friend Chris over there has mentioned this as well. It seemed that the last couple of games that maybe they turned that around with Jake Keegan kind of coming a little bit farther back and playing in kind of a, a free-flowing or number 10 role. Um, but in this game, they just really could not get anything going. Uh, it seemed like they were trying to play counterattack um, and really uh, maybe were just looking for a point against the uh, the league leaders. And uh, and they did it. You know, coming out of North Texas with a point is nothing to sneeze at. So if that was the game plan, then uh, th- then good on Coach Harks and, and the rest of the uh, of the triumph team. The first game of week 16 occurred on Tuesday. And this one you had, you wound up having a really crazy finish. It finished Lansing Ignite 3 versus Forward Madison 2. If you're going to watch any of this game, I mean, don't watch the highlights. Just go to ESPN Plus, scroll forward to about the 87th minute or so, and just watch from there because it winds up getting really crazy. But before you do that, you probably want to take a look. And again, I said this was going to be my Elma Nefors celebration show. Elma Nefor scores in the 17th minute. It was a nice, like, semi-bicycle kick volley uh, after a deflection of a cross into the box. Uh, he did, you know, a really good job redirecting himself. You can listen to uh, Capital Combustion and their take on, on this particular goal. But it was a very nice goal. And, by the way, guys, at Capital Combustion, it's called Take the L is the name of the celebration. It's a Fortnite celebration. If any of you guys have kids in their teens, you probably know about it. But my kids say that that was so 2018, Dad. You know, it's so old. So, but Elman uh, Nafour, no doubt about it, great goal, uh, well-deserved. But our man, Don Smart, for forward Madison, ties things up in the 32nd minute. He continues, uh, Smart continues about, starts from about midfield, continues to make a run between the two center backs. And once again, Oliver White, is involved. He makes a great chip over the back line right into the stride of Don Smart, who settles, takes a couple of little touches, and winds up uh, scoring just like Smart does. Now we get for the fun. So it's 1-1. It looks like maybe it's going to wind up being another another draw for both of these teams. Would Madison may have taken that draw going uh, going away. You know, decent road trip already. They would be happy certainly with four points from two road games. But it wasn't to be because first, you had Mens again, came in in the 82nd minute, brought some fresh legs, got very involved very soon after he his uh, entry into the game. He winds up getting a ball in his own defensive half uh, after a bad throw-in by Madison, and he takes off at a full run, beats four Madison players. No one stepped to him in the midfield. He then makes a pass, splitting two defenders to find Bruce right inside the D. And then Mensikin continues to make his run. He On this run, he ran about 75, 80 yards, and he winds up with the ball back from Bruce on his left foot, one times it, beats Olmsberg, and finishes it in the bottom right corner, take the lead. But that's not enough because just two minutes later, J.C. Banks winds up scoring the equalizer, 
There was a ball that came in from across. Paolo Jr. once again crossed the ball in. Cleveland outstretched hand uh, tries to block it and collect the cross, but he's not able to hold on to it. And J.C. Banks just finishes it quite easy. Capital Combustion guys, once again, I have to say, they were not happy with J.C. Banks' celebration where he went to the corner flag and wiped his head in celebration. They have some very choice blankety-blank-blank-blank words about that. So, you know, this was something that might have gotten the Lansing Ignite players a little bit uh, a little bit up because just a minute later, almost directly from kickoff, Mensigan gets the ball again, makes a deep pass very hard right through several defenders toward Alex Bruce. Alex Bruce, I don't know if it was a lucky touch with his left foot, but he was on the run looking for the pass, gets the ball, hits it with his left, and then is able to strike it with his right and finish it into the bottom right corner. You know, it may have been lucky, it may have been skill, but it was certainly exactly what the Lansing Ignite team and players really wanted. You saw the assembly line go crazy. They were able to celebrate that night with a, uh, a very hard-fought win. The uh, the announcer of this show on ESPN Plus said that it was an incredible last three minutes, and uh, I have to agree. It was incredibly exciting. I mean, I, I wish, you know, maybe we'll revisit this next week when Jason's back because it's really worth talking about. Certainly one of the most exciting periods of time in all of uh, USL League One so far. I have to give a couple other shout-outs in this particular game because Reese Williams was a beast this game. He had 32 passes, seven tackles, six clearances, plus a block shot. You know, he uh, he was really a stalwart on the back line. And like I mentioned, Oliver White also making an impact. Celso St. Duke also had some great stuff off the bench. He nearly scored in the 88th minute. There was a bad giveaway by the Lansing back line, you know, but Nunez just could not convert after uh, uh, either. So, you know, a lot of action, very exciting. In, in the, the last five, six minutes of this match. Well worth the watch. Previewing week 16 uh, on Wednesday night was OCB versus Chattanooga. We'll talk about that next week. Chattanooga was going to be without CC after his red card for that, that hard tackle. Friday night, 4 p.m. is TFC2 versus South Georgia Tormenta. Saturday, Greenville triumph against o- Orlando City B at 7 p.m. Lansing plays Tucson at 7 p.m., and uh, Richmond hosts league leaders North Texas, while Forward Madison once again plays Chattanooga Red Wolves. We were going to preview a couple of these, Jason and I. We'll start those previews next week. I'm just going to briefly talk about the uh, the Lansing-Tucson match. That was one that I had picked to for, for us to review this week before life got in the way of some of our plans. Lansing will be without Kevin Kroifik because of his red card for violent conduct. Uh, Lansing's been able to keep the ball a little bit more than they have in the past. And given that Tucson likes the other team to have the ball and then uh, and then press and try and beat them on the break, um, you know, I, I think I'll give this one to Lansing. Their home form's been very good. Their defense has been sloppy at times, particularly in transition. And I think that's where uh, FC Tucson may be able to get a, a squeak a goal or two out of here. So, you know, while I think this is going to be one of the more interesting games of the weekend, I do think that uh, that Lansing probably has a little bit more of the edge. But, uh, you know, I'm not – I think that Lansing has the ability to outscore most teams outside of maybe uh, South Georgia and uh, North Texas, although the way South South Georgia played this past week, you know, maybe I have to uh, think about uh, readjust that thinking just a little bit. 
So the standings on a points per game basis after week 15. So this actually does not include that week 16 match. Uh, you have uh, Tormenta is now within touching distance of North Texas, but Tormenta is in second place. North Texas still at the top. I went in a draw behind with a game in hand. Uh, Tormenta really has a good shot of maybe even taking the lead from North Texas for the first time since uh, very early in the season. The uh, Chattanooga Red Wolves are solidly in third place. They are being chased by a couple of teams. TFC2 and Lansing Ignite are not that far behind them, but it's super tight for fourth place. So for fourth place, you basically have uh, five teams that are all right there. TFC2, Lansing Ignite, FC Tucson, Forward Madison, and Greenville Triumph, all basically within a win and uh, one of the higher-seeded teams losing and one of those lower-seed teams winning, and you wind up with uh, some flip-flops. One question from a fan tonight. We have uh, this came through on Twitter. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter anytime, and we'll try and answer your questions on the show. So this comes from Andrew Ataro, I, I think is how you pronounce his name. He asks, could both Rochester and Buffalo support USL League One teams? How do regional rights work? Teams in Rochester and Buffalo would make a natural rivalry. So the way that I understand it is that the regional rights basically are by what's called metropolitan statistical areas. So, so basically most largest kind of cities of, quite frankly, the sizes of Buffalo and Rochester could each support a team if they had the right ownership group and ability to get the, the right stadia um, and, uh, and had all the other infrastructure that you need in order to run a professional team. But uh, so, so these both of these cities are right within the wheelhouse of what USL League One is, is aiming for. So the way that I understand it, is USL is looking at uh, at cities uh, or metropolitan statistical areas of uh, between half a million and 1.5 million uh, people for USL League One. Both Buffalo with 1.2 million people and Rochester with 1 million people uh, would qualify. So the question would be, like I mentioned, you know, can you find the ownership group with the uh, the, the right net worth and and all of the infrastructure that you would need uh, that you would need in order to have a a, a team? You know, for my personal Personal opinion, given that the, the both of these cities are close to Toronto, not too far from Lansing, and also not really that far from Harrisburg, assuming that Penn FC starts operations again, like Rochester is supposed to next year as well, this seems like it could be a great uh, kind of building of a uh, you know a lot of regional rivalries, and also you know maybe a, a make it a Great Lakes kind of conference within uh, within USL League One, depending on where the teams ultimately uh, ultimately pan out. So with that short show tonight, uh, apologies that it's only me. I hope I gave you some information that you'll find useful in uh, your enjoyment of the league and that you'll watch more of the games this week. And please hit us up on Twitter. We can be found at League One Fun. That's League and the number one fun. You can find Jason at Home Sweet Soccer, and you can find me at Ira Jersey on Twitter. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm for other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, Major League Soccer, and much more. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice to get your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, Supply, official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at Roughneck Scarves. That's R-U-F-F-N-E-C-K-S-C-A-R-V-E-S dot -E 
gmail.com. We appreciate your listening and hope that you'll hear us next week with Jason. Good night. Mm-hmm.